And so we have a special speaker today. Deborah Blanchard is going to come up. And as I, I don't know if you need the little podium, but I just, I'll share this really quickly uh, as, as Deborah's coming forward. But we just came from um, Fort Mill, the Morning Star there, the School of the Prophets. And, and it was just awesome. On Friday, we were, we were just worshiping. It was, it was just a beautiful time. And, and I just, I remember looking over at Deborah, and we were just jumping and singing, and she just had this beaming smile. We, we just smiled at each other. And there is something so beautiful when, when we worship together, when we are united in one heart to lift up the name of Jesus. And so that was just, just something really, really sweet. I, I really appreciate Deborah, and just it's been, it's been neat to get to know her over the years. And so, Deborah. Standing next to you makes me look taller. I want to share a little testimony. And the testimony is what the Lord gave me to give you. Um, this time of the year is the fall of the year, and it's where my heart is tender. And it wasn't that way up north, but for some reason it is down south. And in my early 30s, I was out raking the yard, and the Lord just began to woo me into a special season with him. And so three weeks ago, of course, it's the fall of the year, and I said, oh, my yard needs raked. And I wanted to, again, come back into that season again, which I haven't been in since in the same way. And so I decided, you know, um, sometimes when you need a little more breakthrough or you want to hear the Lord, you pray in the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay, I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I have learned about myself walking with the Lord is that when I'm not paying attention, he'll come and give me a word. Now, it's not necessarily what I want to hear, but, you know, he'll speak to me. And so I, I guess I, want, I wanted to cultivate my heart to receive something from him. So I prayed in the Holy Spirit and then just moved on and began to rake the yard. And in the midst of that, he gave me a, a word. And it was the culture of your heart. And I thought, well, you know, just that phrase alone is going to trigger your brain. What does that mean for me? And so I ran in the house, got my phone, and I recorded it. And my thoughts went a lot of different places. And what I think the Lord wanted to remind us of, there's those moments or places in our life where we get a settling and when I work with my hands, it sets my brain free because my brain runs all the time. And so if I work with my hands, it silences my mind to go wherever it wants to go. And sometimes that could be down a road of, say, I'm battling something or say I need to forgive somebody or maybe I need to tell somebody something or maybe it's a time when I'm at rest and things are good and clear. But it's... What I think the Lord wanted to say was, where does your mind go when you're not paying attention? And, or where does your mind go? And, you know, the kingdom is within us. And there have been moments in the last year that I have said some things within me. 
You know, like Sarah did when Abraham said, you're going to have a son. And over here, Sarah laughs. And she laughs in her heart. And the Lord is sometimes, and I heard it said at the school one time, and I caught it, and it was so powerful. And they said, God hears, thoughts are louder in heaven. The things that heaven hears the most are your thoughts. And there are some things that when we're children, we've said in our life, and some things, there's choices that we make that the Lord had to undo. There are some things that the Lord now is cultivating your heart. So when I looked up the word culture, I looked up, you know, we're in, a, we're in an American culture. If somebody came from Europe, they'd have a different culture, an upbringing, mindset, the way they think. And then I read on a little further, and it said, another form of culture is a Petri dish. And, it, and so when I looked that up, a Petri dish is a, it's a little glass dish, and it has a prepared medium for which bacteria or microorganisms grow. And I said, well, and I know that the Lord a lot of times deals with me in my heart, and what is growing in my heart? Is life growing in my heart? Is bitterness growing in my heart? Is it unforgiveness or whatever it is? And, you know, there's those moments in our life when something comes in and it captures your mind for maybe a few days and you can't shake it and eventually it goes away. There's no point to this little conversation that I'm having with you except that the Lord wants to bring our attention because he's trying to cultivate within us his presence and his peace. And are we going to believe that the culture in us, are, he's already prepared our hearts for that visitation. When I woke up this morning, I sometimes um, I seek that peace. I seek the presence. But there's a difference when you're pursuing him than when he comes. And something they said at the school, and I thought about this, I never get tired of hearing any teaching about waiting on the Lord. I don't care how many times I've heard that message. There's always my takeaway is I want to do it better. So I'm just throwing out there is, is the Lord wants to say, I want your Petri dish, the prepared medium that I've prepared within you by my spirit, to be the place where I meet with you in the quietness and the stillness of your soul. And, and for me, it happened out in my backyard. It doesn't always, it, it's wonderful when it happens here, but the Lord is saying, I want to cultivate this with you often. I, I have some relatives, when they needed to get peace, they go fishing. You know, that was their place. And the Lord is saying, where's your place with me that I can now come in and commune with you that we can have this wonderful fellowship? Amen. That's so good. So good. And, and there, there's so much on waiting that, that's so difficult for us to do, especially in this culture that, that we are... We're not accustomed to the waiting. We're, we're used to instant. We touch something and something happens, right? So we're going to um, welcome up Joshua. He's going to be sharing. And Good morning. 
Let's take a minute and pray. It's one thing to hear a message about waiting. It's another thing to actually wait, isn't it? One of my favorite sayings to my kids is don't talk about it, be about it. (laughs) So let's just take a minute and wait. There's always purpose in waiting. It's not just just for the sake of, we don't wait for waiting's sake. Even in this moment of waiting right now, I had this sense that something in my heart needed to be adjusted because this is a good amount of people for a Morning Star Sunday morning. (laughs) And somehow with the increase of people, within my heart became an increase of pressure to say something extremely profound. And I had to wait right here for a second (laughs) for the Holy Spirit to take that pressure off and just to enjoy being a son. I encourage you all to do the same. There are situations in all of our lives that want us to perform. And I think the Lord is telling us to abide. Anybody recognize a shift? I just sensed, even as I said the word abide. I've been reading the book, God's Generals, and one particular story stood out to me about a man named Evan Roberts. A crowd much larger than this showed up to hear him speak. And he sat on the front row for two hours. Two hours waiting until the Holy Spirit gave him the unction to preach. Aren't you glad we got comfortable seats? (laughs) Two hours. And then I think, if I remember correctly, he spoke for 15 minutes. And the power of God fell. Healing took place. Salvation took place. Pastors and leaders and evangelists were sent and commissioned. And that's just where I'm at in this season of my life. As a young man, I I began ministry, very young, and I did very little waiting at all. I wanted to get where I had this word that I was going to be in ministry. I had, I grew up Baptist, and Baptists not only have an altar call for salvation, but they also have an altar call for called into ministry. Anybody ever been to one of those? And I accepted the call that I was going to be in ministry. And it was a sweet, powerful time. Um, from about the age of 15, I kind of started burning all my bridges. Like, I didn't have any desire for a four-year degree or a career or any of that. I knew I was going to be a, a youth pastor, and uh, I just went after that with all of my heart. But I didn't wait 
and not waiting got me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> God is so gracious in the midst of that. I could tell you stories where he was just so gracious and was able to use me kind of like the donkey in the Old Testament. He can still use you. He was, and I saw things taking place. But I'm in this season now at 41 where I have this new drive in me, this new prayer that I only want to do what the Father is doing. I only want my energy to be the energy of heaven. I only want what is fueling me to be the fuel of the fire of the Holy Spirit. I believe that that's a possibility. And I believe when the Holy Spirit is so beautiful to me that Miriam and the team started singing, come, come like you promised. She began to sing prophetically, baptize us in the fire of your spirit or something like that. What an image. How many of you know fire is no respect, respecter of denominations? <laughs> How many of you know fire is no respecter of denominations? Fire is no respecter of rich or poor. It consumes everything. What a picture. It was also clear to me when they started singing that song earlier this week in my own time of worship with the Lord, I started to sing that same song, crying out in my own time in my living room, come, come like you promised, pour out your spirit. And I knew when I started hearing that I needed to talk on this today. I know this can be an uncomfortable subject. I've tried to talk about it. I've tried to talk about this with people over the past couple months, and every time it turns awkward. <laughs> this, what do you mean? What is it? I'm like, ah, I don't know. But I know what's in my heart, and I want to talk about it. Another cool story in the book, in the God's Generals, the man uh, who kind of spearheaded the Azusa Street, C, what was his name? Seymour? William Seymour. You know, he prayed and preached and talked about the baptism of Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues before he ever got it. He preached it, and people were getting it, and he didn't get it for like, I don't know, six or nine months into it when he finally had that experience. I'm like, wow, okay, well, I'm, not up, I'm kind of up here in that vein. I have experienced the fire of the Holy Spirit in my life but I know there's a more that I'm asking for. There is a complete and utter consumption, all consumed, that I'm asking for. And, but I also know that I can speak about it and maybe the Holy Spirit will stir up something inside of us as a body to begin to cry out for this. Won't you come? Come like you promised and I think it's interesting that there is the word promised in there. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Isn't that so funny? I can get up here. 
And I can find Bible passages all day long in my Bible, but as soon as I get up here with 40 eyes on me, I have no idea where the book of Acts is. <laughs> I'm like, I got to do the song, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, got it. <laughs> just being real. Anybody ever get that way when eyes are on you? It could just be one eye sometimes. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Here's that word, but to wait. And what were they waiting for? For what the Father had promised. Wait for what the Father had promised. The Holy Spirit is a promise from our Father. So when we sing, come, come like you promised, we're saying, Lord, we're taking you at your word. Father, you promised. I heard a really amazing message about this, um, and it really inspired me, so I just want to, and in that message, it says sometimes this subject can be very polarizing, the, the haves and the have-nots, so the Holy Spirit baptized folks and the, and the ones that, no, it's not like that at all. I just believe that there is a promise from Father that we are to receive. And I pray that there's no elitism or anything coming from me saying that unless you have it, you're not there. No, we're all, all of our sins have not only been forgiven, but Jesus has taken away your sin. We are sealed and perfected by the blood and the love of Jesus. We're all sons and daughters here today. And if you're not, I do believe there was a word in my heart that salvation is going to come to this house today. If that is not, if you aren't sure, if you're walking around with a tremendous weight of guilt and shame under the weight of sin, I want to tell you today, the Lamb has come to not only forgive your sin, but to take away your sin and to give you life. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Submit yourself to him. Allow him to come. Believe that this message is true. Believe the gospel of Jesus. I encourage you today, if that's you, Wait around. I would love to pray with you after service today. There might be a, um, an opportunity. Maybe you've just walked away from the Lord, and the Holy Spirit's convicting you. You know conviction? Conviction reminds you of who you are. You know that? Conviction doesn't shame you or guilt you. When the Holy Spirit's convicting you, it's basically you are way too loved and awesome to be acting like that. Let me, let me, come on back, come on back to abundant life. Maybe that's you today. Either one of you, I would love the opportunity just to pray with you and help you walk with the Lord as the Holy Spirit leads that. But Jesus tells them in Acts chapter one to wait for what the Father had promised. You heard it 
from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I'm going to quickly look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the life of Peter. You guys know Peter? I've always been fascinated by Peter's journey from kind of a cowardly wimp to the person that Jesus used as a catalyst for the ingathering in the early church. How many of you all know Peter was told, or first Peter told Jesus, I will never deny you. I will give my life, right? I will give my life. I just want to take a look. I'm going back a couple, a little bit here, but I want you to, to see this. And Jesus tells Peter, no, you're actually going to deny me three times. I'm going to read this from Matthew chapter 26 so you can get a, a feel for this. When I read this, I put myself in Peter's shoes. When I read this, I encourage you maybe to put yourself in, in Peter's shoes. Now Peter, this is in, I'm sorry, verse 20, in chapter 26, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, you two were with Jesus, the Galilean. I mean, can you all get a picture of this? How much authority does a servant girl have to do anything to Peter? Can the servant girl put Peter in jail? <laughs> Can the servant girl order him to be whipped, flogged, or anything? A servant girl. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you are talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said, you would have think after, he was like, oh, Jesus told me I was going to do this. Oh, that was one. I'm not going to do the other two. You know? <laughs> oh, he got me one, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny. Nope, it doesn't go that way. This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth and again, he, de he denied it with an oath. With an oath. Study that out. But it wasn't just like, nah, I don't know. It was a little bit more intense. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, surely you too are one of them. I love this. You know why they knew it? Here's what it says. <laughs> Even the way you talk gives it away. I love that. I don't like what happens next, but I love the fact that there is a way that we talk that has been transformed simply by being with Jesus. I love that. Even the way you talk is different. I know when people go to Lindsay to get their hair cut, that there is a way of talking that Lindsay has that other stylists don't have because she's been with Jesus. I've heard testimony from Joel. He's on the phone with people from 
all different places. He ends up praying on the phone with them because there's something different about the way Joel talks because he's been with Jesus. And I'm sure every one of us in this room know what I'm talking about. I had a chance to meet my brother Daryl the other day. And just the way that Daryl talked, I could tell. This is my brother Daryl right here on the third row. I could just tell by the way Daryl talked. He knew of God, and it was a blessing to meet him. And I'm so glad that you're here, brother. Surely you two are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Now listen to this. Peter went so far to change the way he talked. Check this out. <laughs> then he began to curse and swear. <laughs> he, be- he literally changed the way he talked to n- so that he would not be given away. I'm sure there was a lot of fear involved, even though the people that he was talking to didn't have any authority whatsoever to do anything to him. It's called the fear of man. It is unreasonable. There is no reasonable explanation why Peter would be so afraid of a servant girl. There's no reasonable explanation why we should be afraid to pray for that person or the waitress or whoever the Lord tells us. There's no reasonable explanation why we are afraid when we're somewhere and all of a sudden we get a prompting of the Holy Spirit. I want you to witness to this person about the love of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I am petrified of my 22-year-old waitress. That makes absolutely no sense. Why in the world is my heart gripped with fear with this sweet lady just filling up my water glass? Peter's walking in that right there, changing the way he talks. But two things happened not long after this. And I want to focus on the second one. The first one was where Jesus ask Peter three times, what what was the question? Do you love me? If you love me. So we first established love. And I think that's important. Lonnie and I were talking about that and praying about that this morning. Love for Jesus comes first. Love for Jesus. Love for Jesus comes first. I, I would go longer into that, read it out. There's a part in, in the Gospels where it says Jesus reinstates Peter. And he asks that question three times, and then he tells him to pretty much serve the lambs and the sheep. But there's something else I want us to look at. The second thing I think that took place in Peter's life, because it says it right here in Acts. And then we're going to pray for this. And then we're going to have a, I think there's going to be some ministry. There's just such an energy in this room. I know the Holy Spirit's been speaking to people and have words for people. I'm just going to go ahead and say now, if the Holy Spirit is stirring something, you just be prepared to share that with somebody today. Partner with heaven in releasing truth over someone today. Um, I do believe there's people here in need of encouragement. Um, so the second thing that happens is Acts chapter 2. The second thing that happened to Peter was Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, 
when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they appeared, and there appeared to be to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. I thought that was kind of a cool phrase. The tongues of fire were distributing themselves. Isn't that kind of cool? Maybe you all should write that down in your notes and study that out. But I thought that was a pretty cool phrase. And they rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Peter is in the room. Peter is in the room when this happens, right? Not long after this, I mean, it's like within the next couple of verses, Peter stands up to preach. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't know the story, he preaches, and 2,000, I think it was 2,000 men, not counting women and children, 2,000. That's a good day. The same man who was scared of the 22-year-old waitress servant girl is now speaking loudly, courageously, boldly, with fire, with anointing, and thousands of people are getting saved. Something happened. But I don't want to focus on that story. There's another story I want us to look at. There's a story in in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John are going to the temple. You guys know the story? There's a cripple at the gate, beautiful. Again, power, miracle takes place. I'll just read it for context. In verse 3 of chapter 3, it says, When he, the cripple, saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. How many of you know Peter had something? (laughs) Peter got something, Peter had something. Peter got something, and he had something that he didn't have when he was being asked if he knew Jesus shortly before. Peter got something, Peter had something, In the name of Jesus. Don't skip over that. This is the same name that he was running from for fear. It was the name of Jesus that he was denying. It was the name of Jesus. He took an oath. It was the name of Jesus that he began to swear and curse to hide the fact that he was one who belonged to him. Now, it is the name of Jesus that he is saying, And I love this prayer. In the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, walk. (laughs) Boom. Walk. Such authority. And seizing him by the right hand, come on. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened with a leap. He stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. That's the type of healings I want to see take place. I am so sick and tired of praying for people and seeing and sick and getting healed, and they're all like, oh, yeah, I'm good now. Cool. What? What? 
I dealt with a back issue for nine months, and I can tell you, it when the Spirit of God healed me, it was not nonchalant. I could play tennis again. I could surf again. I could get out and with I could I could drive my truck again without pain shooting down my sciatic nerve on my right side. It was no small deal. I don't know, that's a side note, but we need to not only expect people to get healed, but to see their lives absolutely transformed, skipping, jumping, rejoicing because of who Jesus is and what he had just did for them. This, is, this isn't just let's pray so you can have a better day. That's what we want. Anyway, that was a side note. So, long story short... They get in trouble for this. <laughs> we're going to go to uh, chapter four now. I know I'm skipping a lot, and we're going to, I'm, I'm about to land this thing because we're going to pray together for this. So there, let's go to Acts chapter four, and let's just read some. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and their elders and their scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent, when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? I feel like this is like another redo moment for Peter. Right? They're basically asking, are you with this man? Are you with Jesus? What? They knew what was going on, but they gave him a chance to deny it. They gave Peter a chance to deny it. And the reason why Peter doesn't deny it, I believe, it says it, I don't know how it's ordered in your translation, but my translation says it this way. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Notice how different Peter's response was. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now who was he talking to? He was talking to people who really could put him in jail. Now he was talking to people who he really should be a little fearful of. He was talking to people who had the authority to whip him, to flog him, to put him away. Something happened, and it says it right here in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. (laughs) Read it. It's amazing. Powerful. What happened? I believe, one, his heart was repositioned on Jesus 
Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I believe first and foremost, any successful, truly successful ministry has to find complete contentment in this. I'm okay, just me and Jesus. I am completely content. If you are not in that place of complete contentment with just your relationship with Jesus and you need miracle signs and wonders to somehow fulfill something that's lacking, don't. Out of complete and utter, I love Jesus. I am a child. I am a son. This, it is out of that place where we're completely content that we go out and we do mighty things. The mighty things are not to help us feel better because we're just not good with Jesus. I believe that there is this. I don't stand up here today anymore because there was a point in my early years where I needed this. I needed the pat on the back. I needed because there was something lacking. There was intimacy missing between me and Jesus, me and the Father, me and the Holy Spirit. There was a validation that I was seeking after that could only be validated by him, and I would seek for it in other places. I would seek for it in ministry. But now I stand here today, to the best of my knowledge, because I love you, and I love the Lord, and I believe he's put something in my heart that's going to help encourage us, not you, us, to do what we're called to do in this city. It's undeniable that Peter before Pentecost and Peter after Pentecost were walking on a different level, walking in some power, walking in some authority, walking in fearlessness. Peter got his swag back. And I just want us to pray this morning. I I put that out there so that we can pray together. I've been praying this for months now. And I keep praying it every day. I need, I, I am getting so exhausted with my own good ideas. I am so exhausted with the, the, the things that I can do. We're all capable of doing some pretty cool stuff, but nothing on any level compared to what the fire of God on a person, on a man, on a woman can do in the earth. And I am crying out for that. I think as, as Kathy told us last week, we need to get a hold of learning how to pray. Part of that prayer is learning how to receive learning how to wait, learning how to believe that we can be like the Peter who is afraid of the waitress at their restaurant one day, and the next thing we know, we have an audience of people with untold authority, and we're not backing down. Can you imagine? You can't drum that up. I can't fake myself out of that thing. 
only the sovereign move of the Holy Spirit of God. Every time I'm almost done with the book, the God's, uh, God's General's book, and I'm just so stirred every time I hear about this sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you, as I look around this room, it's not just for everybody else. It's for you. It is for you. It is for you. It will inconvenience your sleep. It will transcend your denominational upbringing. It will be a little messy, but it'll be glorious. This is for you. I encourage you, ask him. Wait, ask, wait, ask. It is the Father's promise. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just feel like if there's something stirring in you and you're like, you know what? I want that. Will you just stand up? And that's going to I'm standing. I'm standing, and I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to ask that the Lord begin to do that in us, that the Holy Spirit would come upon us. Study this out. There's another man named Apollos that you can read about who many weeks after Pentecost, he experienced this filling of the Holy Spirit. He was, an, he was an amazing teacher. And yet there was something in his life that there was a, there was a more. Study out Apollos in, in the later part of the uh, book of Acts. But Lord Jesus, for those of us that are, are choosing to stand, we come and we say we want you to do what only you can do. We want the promise. We want the promise that the Father said he would baptize us with fire. You would baptize us with your Holy Spirit, that we would be energized, that we would be consumed. Lord, right now, I just ask that you would bypass our intellect, that we would just stop wondering when it's going to happen. No, Lord, we just say right now, do what you want, do how you want with me, when you, doesn't matter. I am completely yielded to you, Holy Spirit. If there's someone standing beside you, I just put your hand on their shoulder and just come into agreement. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fire, fall, consume, energize. Do in me what you did in Peter and the other apostles. I'm yielded. I am surrendered. Bless my brother and my sister on my left and my right. Fill them up with your Holy Spirit. Drive out fear. Drive out intimidation. Drive out weariness. Drive out pain. Drive out anxiety. And let their lives be completely consumed with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Consume their thoughts. As my sister Deborah was talking about, that what we're thinking about when we're busy is your kingdom, that your spirit is using our minds as a canvas for your glory, that your spirit would use our lives as a canvas for your glory, Lord Jesus.